Citizens, you're now trapped in a nerd cage with your hosts Mark and Jay. We hope you have a smashing good time. Yeah. <laughs> yes, hello, welcome. That's right, you're trapped in Nerd Cage Live. This ain't just a reaction show, but a debate show and a live discussion on everything that makes people like you and I tick. So thank you for joining us tonight. And uh, please like, hit the like button and hit subscribe. I'm your co-host, Jay St. G, coming to you live from Syracuse, New York, and always will be my man, The Fiend, from Louisville, Mark Withers. What's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, man? Super excited to be here as usual, and here we are with another look back. Uh, it seems like August has all the best uh, anniversaries for movies. So we're going to go ahead and take you through one more. Uh, we are uh, going to dedicate this episode to the 25th anniversary of, uh, I know this is one of Jay's, uh, one of Jay's favorite yes, movies, sir. Uh, Mortal Kombat. And uh, Jay, I know that you know a ton of facts, a ton of uh, things about this movie. So why don't you go ahead and take us through some of that? Well... Looking back, um, so I was a diehard Mortal Kombat fan from day one, and big shout out to uh, Master Daniel Piscina for uh, coming on our show last Thursday, and for everyone that came, yes. it was a real fun time talking about Mortal Kombat, and we touched base on the movie a little bit. So where Dan Mr. Uh, Master Daniel Piscina came in, he brought the characters to life, but the Mortal Kombat movie brought the story and the characters onto the big screen, and... To this day, I call it nostalgia to say whatever you want. I don't care. I was barely 10 at the time, not even 10 at the time when the movie came out. But I was so blown away because this movie delivered on all cylinders. It gave us what we, us fans, what we wanted to see was, was the moves and the fights and the special moves and everything else. It was mind boggling that they got it. And the story, they got it right. Right. Yeah, I mean, I was really, you know, I was quite a bit older uh, when it came out, older than you, but uh, I loved it just the same. I mean, for anybody who um, is familiar or not familiar with the film, uh, came out in 1995, and uh, this is actually, you know, if you think about it, it's pre-Matrix, it's pre, yes. you know, the, the era where, you know, you were hired, you know, you were hiring like professional actors and teaching them martial arts for these films. You know, this was a this was a time where uh, instead you would uh, you would cast a, a an actual martial artist like like yes. a, someone who was very experienced and then just roll camera and then have them sort of act the best the best they could. And you know, with that considered, you know, I, th I think that they really turned out a good film for its time. You're right. I'm glad you brought that up because to me, this was my Enter the Dragon. This was like this was the first martial arts movie I ever seen in the theater. This was this was a gateway for me, right? Because I know this wasn't the I know this wasn't the first major martial arts film. I know this wasn't like the biggest martial arts film. But at the time, I mean, Bruce Lee was already gone well over 20 years, right. and it was already a number of years since Bloodsport came out. So martial arts was really at a point, it really wasn't like prominent like it is now. And I feel like um, now that, that Mortal Kombat was like the, was like one of the big martial arts movies that kind of kicked off the trend because after Mortal Kombat, then we got Jackie Chan, then we got Jet Li immediately after they became right. big in Hollywood. On top of that, and this is one thing I want to point out about this movie at the time, I feel like this movie is the perfect segue 
from where we are where we are in, in films in general like this film really marks the last movie i could think of that really heavily uh uses practical effects yes. but at the same time it really started using the cgi a lot in the movie too like it was like the beginning of CGI. I mean, it wasn't the first movie to do CGI, obviously, but I feel like it was kind of like the, in the early stages of seeing CGI, like heavy CGI in movies, as well as the end of practical effects in this movie. And 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 I think that's what. And then we saw the. And then of course, as time went on, practical effects pretty much disappeared, and CGI right. was the thing. Right, right. And and I'm glad you mentioned that because you know I, I took a I took a look at it you know a couple of days ago. We did a rewatch. And I did notice, you know, how, you know, by today's standards, it was pretty primitive. But if you take yourself back to 1995, there really wasn't a whole lot of CGI that was happening outside of, you know, very big budget films. Jurassic and, Park, Terminator right, 2. Exactly. And so this was sort of the age of uh, CGI's infancy, um, mm -hmm. so to speak. So those effects to us at that time were, were pretty impressive. And, yes. and uh, you know, some of them even now sort of hold up. I think that, it, yeah. you know, all things considered, it actually still looks really good. Yeah, and, and like, so, like Goro, which was a, it was a big, sweaty, meaty, meaty puppet and a man in a suit. It was a man in a suit, but the prop was a puppet there. Right. And it was amazing they were able to bring that puppet to life and using the robotics that they did. Still looks good, really impressive. I know some people might f find it laughable. I, I think it's impressive, all things considering how big the budget was. Another thing, the budget, was only 18 million even at that time uh, was nothing right right nothing and the biggest actor the most well-known actor was christopher lambert right and he right. was he was top headliner on the movie poster uh so that's the other thing too is there really wasn't a lot other than christopher lambert there really wasn't a lot of big names in the movie and and there were a few unknowns on top of that Right, right. But, you know, the, you know, that said, these unknowns actually did a great job. I yes. mean, I, I think Robin Shu really, you know, like he made he made his splash in this movie as Liu Kang. I had never seen him before in anything, yeah. but I, I was really impressed with him. To me, he was like the best part of the movie. And I'm glad you mentioned Robin Shu first, because here's what I'm baffled about is when this movie came out, I thought for sure Robin Shu was going to be a star because not long after this movie, I don't know if you remember, there was a movie called Beverly Hills Ninja. Yeah, I do remember hey, that. <laughs> yes. I went and I rented that when it came out and right. Robin Shu was amazing in that movie. Yeah. He I mean, was he, amazing. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a he's a great martial artist. I think he's a really good, you know, really good actor. Yeah. You know, and you know, I'm really surprised, you know, that he really didn't um he, you know, that his career didn't really take off after that. I know, it's a damn shame because, I mean, he's been in a lot of, like, smaller movies, you know, throughout the last 20 years, but nothing major. I Like I said, when, after Mortal Kombat and, and Beverly Hills Ninja, I thought for sure he was going to be a star, and, and I'm kind of baffled that he didn't, but yeah. um, it, 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 I scratch my head to this day. Yeah. Um, but we have to talk about the casting here. Um, yeah. Some stuff that people that may or may not know this and i, I cannot wait to, to talk about this yeah this is this is good stuff i can't wait for yes. you to say <laughs> so lyndon ashby who's basically an independent actor uh he ended up getting the role of johnny cage but there were several names uh before him and there was one that was a lock and that lock was brandon lee right. brandon lee was the was the lock for johnny cage it was a done deal 
and then the crow happened right. unfortunately and we all we don't need to go in, into that um and i will say this brandon lee would have knocked it out of the park i think he would he would have been perfect for it and yeah i can i can only imagine you know like how much better how how you know how much he would have elevated that film i mean how you know with his talent i mean he's he's a phenomenal actor and you know he's every bit bruce lee's son you know yes. like if you've seen movies like rapid fire showdown in little tokyo i mean he really was amazing in both of those movies you know as well as the crow um you know you and i talked off camera about like sort of the the, the environment <laughs> at the time he really wasn't that big of of a star at the time that he was cast but i have no doubt that after this movie he would have his career his career would have taken off so i'm really excited about this because we kind of did the same thing in x-men where you know we tossed some names around here are some more names after uh brandon lee oh that were considered after after the crow obviously right. um johnny depp was considered oh, wow. uh tom cruise that obviously wow. didn't happen. I think I'm sure Mission Impossible had everything to do with sure. the reason why he wasn't there, and I'm sure budget too. Yeah. And of course, another one, to no surprise, Jean Claude Van Damme. Now, as we <laughs> talked about, it's funny. So as we talked about in the uh, the, the Piscina stream, was originally Mortal Kombat was going to be a Jean Claude Van Damme game, and J the character Johnny Cage was inspired by Jean Claude Van Damme. So to come first full circle, they wanted John Claude Van Damme to play Johnny Cage. Didn't happen because of Street Fighter. John yeah. Claude Van Damme <laughs> chose Street Fighter over Mortal Kombat. I wonder if he regrets that. I oh, wonder he's, if he's, he's got to be kicking himself every day over that. <laughs> Another John Claude Van Damme regret. He regretted the Expendables and he probably regretted Mortal yeah. Kombat. Yeah, so stop that, saying no to things, John Claude. <laughs> yes, and then uh, and of course, and then Lyndon Ashby, who I thought knocked it out of the park. He Absolutely. had the look, he had the charisma. I loved it, and I loved how Johnny Cage was portrayed in the film because in the original games, Johnny Cage is supposed to be a world-renowned superstar, an A-lister, and right. you saw that in this movie. And the thing I love about this, another fun fact: the scene where um, where the, you first get introduced to Johnny Cage filming the right. movie, right. The guy sitting in the director's chair was originally supposed to be Steven Spielberg. Really? Steven Sp Spielberg was supposed to be oh, in wow. Mortal Kombat as a cameo, being the director arguing with Johnny Cage. Wow. So the actor that you see, that's why they got this, this Steven Spielberg lookalike. It, it was originally supposed to be Spielberg, and for whatever reason, I'm guessing due to scheduling conflicts, they couldn't get Spielberg to show up for the movie to, to do that scene. Wow, that's crazy, man. That's that's insane. I know. I, I love talking about this. <laughs> yeah. Now, wasn't uh, wasn't Steve James supposed to be in it also? Do you know who that is from no, American Ninja? No, I didn't. No, I wasn't aware of this. Yeah, Steve James was actually um, he was he was a martial arts actor in the early to mid uh, 1980s. He was in all of the American Ninja movies with Michael Dudikoff. Mm -hmm. And I think he was supposed to, if I read this correctly, I think he was supposed to play the role of Art Lean in the movie. Oh, but, okay, yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he had a heart attack, I think, and he passed away prior to filming. Oh, okay, I was kind of reading that's how about they that. Okay, so that's what it was, who was supposed to, okay, great, that makes that makes sense now. Mm -hmm. um, now let's shift gears over to Sonya. Uh, Bridget Wilson, again, love her portrayal of Sonya. She, again, she knocked it out of the park. 
but it was supposed to be Cameron Diaz. Fresh off the mask. Wow. They wanted Cameron Diaz, and she was a lock for Sonya. And what happened was she broke her wrist doing the martial arts rehearsal, the move rehearsals and stuff. So so then uh, she couldn't do the movie, and then they brought back... um, Bridget Wilson, who was turned that they turned her down the first time, and then they asked her to come back. Man, that is, you know, like when you hear these stories, like you just kind of like, not that the movie isn't great as is, yeah. but you just kind of imagine like what it would have been like with these, you know, with these big stars who were, you know, somewhat, you know, obscure at the time, but, you know, yeah. we know their, we know their acting abilities. And so like, you know, you wonder what type of film you would have ended up with. Yes. Now let's let's shift gears just a little bit here. So the you, you say the film that we wound up with, okay. Originally th- there were two cuts of the movie. I don't know if you really? knew this one. No. So the first cut of the movie, uh, here's what happened. They completed the movie, and they had a test screen. Right. And when they finished the test screening, the 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 the, the consensus of everybody in that who saw this movie said all said the same thing there was not enough fights so they wow. had to do additional scenes and here's what hey here we go this is i can't wait to talk about this one mm-hmm. so there were two fights that were added to the movie post-production okay the fight the 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 johnny cage scorpion fight right and the luke hang reptile fight were added post-production oh okay so what happened was in the in the original cut where where scorpion and johnny cage were fighting in the woods and the, the the scene where he's retracting the serpent, the spear, retracting right. it, and Johnny Cage is running at Scorpion and does the shadow kick. Yeah. What was supposed to happen was the shadow kick was supposed to land on Scorpion and knock Scorpion out cold, and that was it. That was the end. I see. Mm-hmm. And then um, that was one of the things people were bothered by. Like, well, that that's it. That's that that's the fight right there. He just shadow kicks him, and that was it. Right. So, so then. They, what they did was probably the best decision they ever made. And to this, I say it's the best fight in the movie. And it's one of my best favorite fights ever, ever on film. The Johnny Cage Scorpion fight in Scorpion's Lair. Okay. That they spent extra money, a lot of money building that on building that set, building that foundation there with all the the skulls and the dust and the ladders and everything else that they spent a lot of money. It was like one of those most expensive scenes of the film there was building right. that. And they added that to the movie and they added uh, Fear Factory the, as the song there, uh, oh, uh, right Zero on. Signal. Zero Signal from Fear Factory off D-Manufacture was added to the soundtrack. It was added to the to the Scorpion fight. Best decision they ever made. And I love that fight. And I'm, I'm gonna go off, to, I just gotta just, again, fuzzy memories. <laughs> I love this fight so much. Listen, it may not be... Listen, the martial arts in this movie may not be flashy or up to par with today's standards. I get that. But this fight with Johnny Cage and Scorpion in in Scorpion's Lair, what makes this fight so awesome? Again, it's not very flashy, but the thing is, it's believable. Right. I 100% felt all the punches and kicks because... You could tell if you know anything about the, the character, the character of Scorpion. Scorpion is a ruthless killer. He's from hell. He doesn't care about your feelings. He doesn't care about your suffering because he is suffering. So he loves giving pain. And you could tell Lyndon Ashby was just, just 
hanging on to Daryl. He's just defending himself. He's just blocking <laughs> all the punch. He gets taken down, and you see Scorpion just pounding and kicking and kicking like, like oh my, it, that felt real. It felt right. believable. It really looked like he was trying to hurt him. Right. Like right. it looked like a real fight. Like you watch this and like, man, he, he really looks like he's trying to hurt him. On right. top of that, Lyndon Ashby was rushed to the hospital after when during the filming of that fight. Uh, he really? was uh, after afterwards. He was uh, he was urinary, urinating blood and everything. Oh wow! And he was rushed to the hospital because, because he, yes, because he got he, you know, hit to the ribs and the and the stomach so much by uh, martial artist Chris Casamasa, who is a legit martial artist who runs a school. Um, he beat the shit out of him during the <laughs> filming of that of that fight and that's why i love that fight so much and that's why it's the best fight of the movie probably the best fight of all the mortal kombat movies in any mortal kombat media it's a believable fight and it's hella entertaining and it's it's great it's greatly shot and of course fear factory zero signal makes that makes that fight scene that much better on top of that we got to see the scorpion's fatality yes the mask removal and the fire breathing right i loved it. i remember i lost my mind i'm like oh my god he's doing the fatality seeing that <laughs> for the first time because we got what we asked for the the specific moves from the game were in the movie right and then on top of that he does a little autograph there to my best fan cage which was uh, his friendship move i'm right. so glad they threw that in there too so oh my god like i said props to the filmmakers for adding making the decision to add in that fight scene post-production as well as the reptile fight right now you know it's funny you mentioned the the fatalities and stuff like that i was going to ask you because at the time that i watched it when it when it came out initially my main gripe was that there really weren't a whole lot of fatalities like that you recognize from the game like a yeah. handful of them so i wanted to know as as a super fan of mm -hmm. Mortal Kombat, what do you what do you think about that aspect of the game? Like, I mean, of the film, did you want more blood and guts? Did you think that it was an ap appropriate amount given the given the type of movie it was? What did you think? That's just it. I think, given the fact that it was a PG thirteen movie, mm -hmm. that they were able to get away with what they did because um, right. you did see Scorpion explode. And of right. course, the scene where Sub Zero freezes the guy and he breaks into a bunch of pieces, and you see Sub Zero get impaled by you know by the the uh, the ice spike, and you, and then you see uh, Kerry Tagawa fall into the spikes, right? You know, in the pit, what was supposed to be like the pit, right? Um, I think all things considering, as much as I love to see a you know an R-rated, full-on gore, I thought. For what they had in the budget and for what they had in a PG-13 rating, I thought they pulled it off very well and got away with what they could. Right. And I, I am, I think they did what they, they did the best they could, and I think they did it very well. Right. Right. So. so and, <laughs> oh no, go ahead. No, no, no. I was, I was going to mention, you know, like you talked about Fear Factory. Uh, yes. you know the, you know being in the soundtrack i was going to say that soundtrack overall to me was incredible like you know mm -hmm. i was a, i was a big fan of it at the time so much in fact I, I think that i mentioned in you know in our live stream on thursday that i was i'm not a gamer and so i wasn't that familiar with the game but i was very familiar with the theme song because 
they were playing that in clubs, they were playing yes. that on certain radio stations. And and in a lot of ways, that Mortal Kombat, that was like- Technocentric. You heard that everywhere, yep. you know what I mean? Before you were even aware that it was a game, you know, some of us anyways. And so to have that in in the actual film was awesome. Uh, Tracy Lords has a yes, has a good song I was in there. Free to mention Tracy Lords. Yeah, I mean, for those yeah. who don't know, yeah, you've <laughs> seen the movie Blade, right? She's the blonde-haired vampire in the first Blade movie, That's right? <laughs> and there's other things that she was involved in, but we won't go in that. Yeah, territory. we we won't discuss those. Here. We won't discuss that. But yeah, I was just looking at the soundtrack, and I'm like, wait, wait, Tracy Lords was. Was in this was in the soundtrack. Yeah, I, I was pretty impressed. Hypo Negative was in the soundtrack. Right. Air Factory, uh, GZR. Do you know who? Do you remember GZR? I I don't remember. These are Butler's band from the nineties. Oh it right, was, right, it was right. with um 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 Burton C Bell from Fear Factory. Yes, that was his nineties project there. Uh, GZR, uh, Plastic Planet. Uh, the nice. song's called The Invisible. That was right. um in that album and on the soundtrack, and. Uh, and I think we've kind of discussed this before, but there was a band called Crawlspace, which was pre-Seven Dust. Yes. They were supposed to be on the album, but their song didn't make the cut. Right, right. Yeah. And I and I and I remember hearing something about that. But yes. overall, I, I thought that soundtrack was solid, man. And and, and you, no, here's another fun fact: the Mortal mm -hmm. Kombat soundtrack, if I'm not mistaken, was the very first techno slash uh, EDM music album to go platinum first in history i believe that i believe that because i remember when the film came out how big the soundtrack was mm -hmm. and how you know like if you're riding in somebody's car a lot of times they had that cassette or they had that cd playing yeah you know? so yeah I, in, a, in a lot of ways i think the soundtrack helped to drive the movie Yes. Because again, like, you know, Mortal Kombat, obviously it was a hit game. It was, it was a big enough game that they that they were able to make a successful film out of it. But for a lot of people who weren't gamers, they were driven by that music and by oh, the yeah. arts aspect of it. And so I think those, it was like a perfect marriage. Like they really yeah. picked all the right music for it. And on top of that, another one, a big mention there, uh, Buckethead did the yeah. Goro song. Right, uh, which was awesome. Uh, if anyone's familiar with Buckethead, he's a phenomenal guitarist. And uh, and shout out to George S. Clinton. He he still he still acts in the uh, movie industry. He's done a lot right. of scores for a lot of TV shows and other movies. But mm -hmm. I loved his score in the movie uh, that he did. Like I said, the Goro the Goro theme. And I also love the theme. Oh my God, the, the scene where Liu Kang arrives at the Shaolin Temple. Yes. Love that score there. It's so amazing. I like I know, so much, so much right about that with that soundtrack in the, in the score. I agree. Top notch. It, it, it's a time capsule. And it's always, every time I hear it, it just takes me back to that time when I was a kid playing exactly. the game and seeing it, seeing it on the movies, man. Right. Love it. Love it. Love right it. Love on. it. Right on. Um, and I want to add a few other thing, tidbits here. The, um, now the filming, interesting, is they, they filmed in Los Angeles, obviously, and they also filmed in Thailand. Right. Now there's a great article uh, from the Hollywood Reporter from five years ago, uh, during the 20th anniversary of the film. Uh, the stuff that happened during filming, uh, very, very interesting when they, when they filmed in Thailand. All the island scenes were in Thailand. Um, Christopher Lambert, again, the biggest star of the movie, was told 
uh, not to go to Thailand to film because whatever insurance that he had, uh, in like some kind of actor agreement or something, right. he wasn't allowed to leave the country because if he were to get injured or something were to happen, he wouldn't have been covered. All his lawyers told him, do not go to Thailand to film the movie, just film in Los Angeles. But there was a problem though. There were scenes where Raiden was needed in the film. So they what they right. wanted to do was they were gonna have a body double for Raiden. And then Christopher Lambert was just gonna record all his lines and they were gonna shoot some shots in Los Angeles and kind of like, you know, cut it into the movie. Right. That didn't happen. Christopher Lambert went out of his way, spent his own money to fly out to Thailand to, to film the movie in Thailand when he was ordered not to. Very well could have saved the movie. Wow, yeah, that's commitment, man. Yeah, yep. props to Christopher Lambert for that. And uh, we talked about Robin Shu earlier. Robin Shu did all the fight choreography in the entire film. Really? I didn't know he did the choreography. Yep. That makes a lot of yeah. sense. That he makes a lot of fight, sense. All the fight choreography. And it's funny, uh, uh, Robin uh, Shu was also, he's also friends with uh, Ho Sung Pak, right. who was the original Liu Kang. And he, he was talking about the story, and I think you can find the video, that back in 92, 91, 92, when they started making Mortal Kombat, he was, Ho Sung Pak told him, oh yeah, I'm going to be doing this game called Mortal Kombat, and they want me to play this character, and blah, 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 blah. And he thought it was the most ridiculous thing he ever heard in his life. <laughs> Come to find out later. two or three years later, he was going to play that character on film. <laughs> that's awesome. I hadn't heard that story, man. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, there's so many stories out of the film in this movie and everything that happened with this movie and whatnot. And, you know, I like I said, I love the, the product that was turned out was absolutely amazing. Um like I said, I know the, 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 the fight scenes are a little outdated, the special effects are outdated, but the movie, the one the one thing that movie delivers is, is it, it brought Mortal Kombat to screen. It was just amazing. Prior to Mortal Kombat, we had the Street Fighter movie. Right. I mean, I enjoy it to some level because it's goofy, but the Street Fighter movie, for the most part, was pretty bad. Yes. The Mario Brothers movie. That was, <laughs> you know, a lot was on the line for that movie. Right. It was bad, and it was just amazing because Mario Brothers were, was already around for more than 10 years before that movie came out. Street right. Fighter was around for almost 10 years when that came out. Mortal right. Kombat was only around for three years. Exactly. It was a fast, fast, fast turnaround going from the first game to the movie. It was right. a fast turnaround. And it's just fascinating how fast Mortal Kombat became this property, and then everything that followed, the merchandise, the live tour that they did, the... The cartoon uh, series that was on USA, right. the, the the sequel, which I hated, by the way, and the uh, and there was a series called Mortal Kombat Conquest that was on UPN at the time, right, um, right around the same time where like Hercules and Xena was was a big thing, yeah, uh, Mortal Kombat Conquest, yeah. So like Mortal Kombat became like this international property and like in uh, across all media, it was it was everywhere, man, just. Like in, in the mid '90s, Mortal Kombat was everywhere, and just it's just amazing how far, like, from like this this little small budget arcade game, just just exploded, man. Right, right, yeah, and and that was something that I was gonna mention too is that you know from my memory that was really like the first successful video game adaptation. You mm -hmm. know, like there were the you know there were other films that came out you know um that were that were video game inspired that really yeah. didn't do what they were supposed to do double dragon comes to mind 
you yep. know <laughs> and you know there were and there were there were a few others you mentioned mario brothers and stuff like that but mortal kombat was the first one where you know they didn't check all the check all the boxes but they checked all the important boxes yes and, and it was you know it was everything it needed to be for 1995 and Roger Ebert even liked the movie, right. shockingly enough. I mean, there was a lot of, I mean, it was kind of some of the other critics I like, but Roger Ebert defended the movie. Right. Um, oh, another thing I forgot to film about the filming. I don't know if you knew this one. Okay. The Outworld scenes. Okay. You know what they used to film Outworld? No. Okay. Do you remember the steel, the steel mill from Terminator 2? Yeah. The steel mill same from Terminator place. 2, same place, was used to film the Outworld scenes. Wow. That's cool. I know, right? That's good to know. <laughs> I found I found that out recently. So yeah, they filmed in Thailand and and then of course they, the steel mill for um in Los Angeles. Right. That's right. Really freaking awesome. Now, now one of the one, one of the go, go ahead. ahead, go ahead. No, go ahead. Now, okay. So what I, one of the things I was going to say is that I read that um they originally wanted there to be a sort of a like a romance angle between Liu Kang and Katana. And for whatever reason, they cut that part out of the movie. Well, they, know- they, it was kind of there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. What I was going to say is like, did they, do you know if they actually filmed those scenes? Like, do those scenes exist or was it just like a concept and they were just like, now nah, we'll just like push that off to the side? Well, I don't know. Cause as, as we mentioned earlier, there, there were two cuts of the film um, after the test screening. Now, if you go back and watch the original trailer for the movie, there right. were scenes in that trailer that did not make it to did the not film. make the cut. Right. And I think they interviewed in one of the interviews with uh, I think it was a fan interview with uh, Robin Chu, and he says he doesn't recall some of the, that he doesn't know what was cut and what wasn't. He doesn't right. know if they still exist or not, and if they do, they don't know where you know who has it. Right. And I'd be interested to see who if Paul Anderson, the director. Speaking of Paul Anderson, he's mm-hmm. done some great films. He even brought Resident Evil to life. Yes. Event Horizon. Uh, he swung and missed on Alien versus Predator. I'll tell, I'll say that right now. Right. Uh, but I do appreciate Paul Anderson's work because he brought Mortal Kombat to life. Um, but I wonder if either Paul Anderson or, or Lawrence uh, Kazanoff has any of that footage that didn't the cutting room footage. Right. Uh, would I like to see a director's cut of this film? Absolutely, absolutely. But I don't think it's going to happen. If it did, if it did, it would have happened by now. Yeah, I was I was thinking that too. You know, like you know, with it being the 25th anniversary anniversary, you would think that there'd be some kind of remaster in the works mm-hmm. or some kind of re-release. You know, with uh, deleted deleted scenes or something like that. But maybe their focus is more on the upcoming Mortal Kombat. Maybe they don't want to take a, take away any shine from that. Any any kind of buzz from yeah. It. Now I will say this though. Now. I know there are fans out there that nitpick the movie, and I understand. Um, but for the, I think they did pretty well considering. Okay, so some of the retcons. Well, here's a lot of things that were more kind of ch- changed not only the, fran- the franchise forever. The concept of there being ten Mortal Kombat tournaments before Shao Kahn could invade Earth. Right. That was impl- that was implemented into the movie. That wasn't made by the game, and then right. the games adapted that afterwards. I see. Uh, which which was cool. The other thing that was a, a big change, and they changed it moving forward. Kano, the character Kano, uh, Richard Divizio originally his version of Kano in the game. Kano was supposed to be half American, half Japanese. Right. So in the movie, he's obviously Australian. Right. Since then, every portrayal of Kano since then, Kano's been Australian. Really. Yep. Wow. 
Uh, another another big change uh, that the movie did. Now this, you know, this was just done for the movie. Was not done in the game. So in the game, okay. So they mentioned I am Liu Kang in the movie. I am Liu Kang, descendant of Kung Lao. Right. Liu Kang wasn't the descendant of Kung Lao. It actually was the other Shaolin monk named Kung Lao who was the descendant of the great Kung Lao. I see. Um, that didn't bother me. I'm 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 always will wonder to this day why they didn't fit Kung Lao into the movie. That's okay, but in the game, Luke Hanks not the descendant of Kung Lao, so that's right. one thing that the movie kind of took the liberty of doing. Doesn't bother me. I mean, they they only had one movie; they didn't know if they're going to make a sequel or not. So, I thought that concept worked pretty well. That he was the descendant of the man that defeated Shang Tsung the first time and whatever. Right. So, that was cool. It, it was it was it was done. It was executed well. It's just that was one of the things that they kind of like retconned into the movie. And the other big thing in this bothers a lot of fans too was we didn't get to see the rivalry between sub-zero and scorpion right kind of glossed over it, it they, at least they acknowledged it they right. acknowledged it but the thing is they you only can fit so much into a 90 minute movie it's amazing that they're able to put in the characters sonya johnny cage and Liu kang adding sub-zero and scorpion their origins just i don't know if they would have had the time or the budget to do it but they, at least they acknowledged it saying Scorpion and Sub Zero, deadliest of enemies, but slaves under my power. So, right. Yeah, it was at kind least of like they a acknowledged verbal, it was there. Yeah. yeah, verbal acknowledgement. One thing that yeah, I that, understand. I understand why the fans are upset about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I I don't know that I would be like super upset about that, but I mean, I get it. I'm I'm the same way. You know, like I've mentioned in other episodes that I I like for certain things to be shown and not explained. And that would have been like a cool scene to have some kind of flashback or some some scene where they're fighting each other. That probably would have yeah. made it a little bit better. But I do get that, you know, they were under time constraints and it does does make sense that they kind of just glossed over that, you know, because it wasn't a, a super important part of the, the narrative that they were trying to tell at the time. Yeah. And I mean, I, I guess a few closing thoughts, like they're, again, for, for all things considered, they, they nailed the stories and the characters dead on. Uh, right. What I loved about this movie is not taking anything away from Ho Song Pak, but basically in the game, like every game, every fighting game, there's always that Bruce Lee clone. Right. That's what basically what Liu Kang was in the game was just a Bruce Lee clone. He was the the chosen one, the hero, but he didn't really have much of a personality. I mean, you only could, it's kind of hard to show off a personality in in in, in, in a in the narrative of the games at the time. Right. Robin Shu gave the character Liu Kang a personality, and right. I loved it. That he was sick of hearing about the of the, the ways of the monks and whatever. He laughed to go to to go to America, and right. you know, it was his brother's death that yeah. caused him to come Blamed back. Himself. And, yeah. And then he had his little um, scuffles with you know with Johnny Cage. You know, he threw his back luggage into the into the into the. Water. <laughs> that was a great scene too. Speaking of, my reaction. Probably would have been a little different if someone took my luggage and threw it in the water and took yeah. my money. I think I would have would have challenged him to. I actually they kind of did. He was like, "Hey, buddy," and then he got then he got bodied by Sonya. But my reaction, yeah. I would have reacted a little bit different. That's another thing, um, especially at the time, right? Because yeah. like you know, this is his luggage. This is like everything that he's bringing with with him on the. <laughs> like if I lose my luggage, because I've lost I've lost my luggage, like you know 
like the airlines have lost my luggage before. Yeah. And I was irate. I knew that eventually I'd get it back, but I was furious about it. Yeah. This guy <laughs> took, his, <laughs> took his, his suitcase and just threw it in the water and walks <laughs> off. And uh, Johnny Cage's reaction was just like, well, I, you know, it's a good thing I didn't uh, have him park, the, park car. the car. <laughs> you know what I mean? Don't like, get wrong. It was, it's funny, but I'm watching this as an adult and I'm like, Dude. Major underreaction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then another underreaction, if we want to go, like I said, we're nitpicking the movie. Um, you know, no taste of things to come. And then right, Sub-Zero right. freezes the guy and the guy explodes. My reaction would have been a little bit different if I saw a man freeze a man and he, he exploded in front of me. I would have been like, I'm out of this tournament. Like, right, I'm done. <laughs> there were so many people in that tournament, like not one person like stood up like, oh my God, like what, what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know Johnny Cage kind of had his reaction when Raiden came in and, and electrocuted Sub-Zero and Scorpion. And, right. Oh my God, why is this guy freezing stuff? Why does this guy have stuff coming out of his hand? Why is this guy being out of electric? Okay. But again, even after seeing that, I think my reaction would have been different if I saw a man just get frozen and explode just right. after I was just done eating dinner of all things. Yeah, yeah, that was everybody like the, there's like common collected time. like, and he's <laughs> like, oh, just a little tournament said, good for the career he said. Yeah, right. No, my reaction would be like, oh my god, dude, like. What am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, at least, yeah, Johnny Cage at the very least, right? Because you could make the argument that a lot of the other competitors... Guys knew what was happening. Right, they knew what they were getting themselves into. Maybe they had been there before, you know? But, like, Johnny Cage had no idea what he was, like, signing up for. And to actually see that, you know what I mean? Like, if, if I was him, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I'm done. They can call me a fake if they want to. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, oh, that's another thing. Another thing, picking on Johnny Cage again. What was Johnny Cage doing the whole time Liu Kang was fighting Reptile? Right, like, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, he was there. Was he just watching? Like, right. Do, do, like, I think it would have been a little bit cooler if maybe there were two Reptiles, maybe, and they both fought. You know, maybe they were both fighting the reptiles, and maybe like Johnny Cage was getting overpowered by a reptile, and then mm -hmm. Luke Kang came to save him. Right. Maybe that would have been a little bit better instead of just. But again, again, this was one of those things that was added post production. Right. Maybe Lyndon Ashby really wasn't on set. That's just my guess. But, right. And from and, what I and from what I read, that like Robert Robin Chu said that that reptile scene was like really difficult to film. Because yeah. he was basically not fighting anyone. Like it was just kind of like he's just fighting air and he didn't really know where to where to kick, where to look. And so I don't know, there may have been other um, there may have been other like hurdles in far as far as filming to where maybe yeah. they were like, Well, let's not even have Lyndon Ashby do anything here because it's probably gonna be too too much, too difficult to do. Oh yeah, good point. Another thing too, interesting fact. The martial artist that played uh, Reptile, his name is Keith Cook. Yeah. Uh, he was actually in the running to play Liu Kang. Really? He didn't get. He didn't get it. Okay. So I thought that was kind of an interesting fact too. Is that well, he didn't get Liu Kang, but he, he got Reptile, and that was in post production too. Right. So. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. So the, yeah, there are my nitpicks. I don't know. I know some people said, well, how did how did Johnny Cage get out of Scorpion's lair? I always thought, in my back in my mind, I always thought, well. Same way he got in, probably got in through a portal. Through a portal, yeah. So yeah, the I bigger know. question for me was like, 
what was he doing just randomly walking through the woods like that? Like, did they ever explain that? Because I missed that both times that I watched it. Like, I watched a couple times, like, recently. And I was just like, why is he just randomly walking through this forest when his friends are actually, like... Well, it's funny you mentioned that. I, I guess you, I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't think of this. But if you watch the movie again, Johnny Cage is... Okay, so the first fight you see Luke Kang fight that, that black dude with the dreads. Yeah. Uh, you see Johnny Cage standing there. Right. But during the Kano fight, he's not there. Right. Luke Kang is there. Obviously, there's shots of you know Luke Kang reacting to because he's worried for Sonya because you mm -hmm. know Kano you know clocked her a couple of times. Yeah. Um, but Johnny Cage was nowhere to be found in the background there. Mm -hmm. But then they show him wandering around, and there he was getting challenged by Scorpion. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, they never really explained why he was wandering around, but it, yeah, but, it's it it doesn't kill the movie for me, but it yeah. like. It was one of those little things where it kind of bugged me like, well, his friends are actually competing for their lives and they're, they might be his only ticket off this island, you know, or, yeah. or, or off of Outworld or whatever. And The island. And, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. the island, you're right. So like, he, you know, they're like actually fighting right now. Like, it doesn't seem to make sense that he would just be like randomly, oh, now's a good time to just walk around and yeah. like, see what's going on, you know? Yeah. Also, side note: the guy, the 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 black guy with the dreads that you just mentioned, his name yes. is Hakeem Alston. He was in a show called WMAC Masters that came out okay. around the time of Mortal Kombat with Ho Sung Pak, who was the original. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, this is why I love those. We're spitting these facts that the, you yeah. know everyone else may not know. That's awesome. So I learned something new from you. So thank you cool. for that. <laughs> um, another thing that's interesting about the about the movie too. Um, I liked. Here's one thing I did like. Uh, that they did, and I, I get it. The movie, the, the first Mortal Kombat movie basically combined Mortal Kombat 1 and 2, the games. And here's right, why. Right. The first game takes place on Shang Tsung's island. Mm -hmm. The second game, after Liu Kang ultimately defeats, by the way, it was Liu Kang was originally in the game, he defeated Goro and Shang Tsung. Right. I'm kind of glad they let Johnny Cage beat Goro in the movie, but that's mm -hmm. another big retcon there. But the first game takes place on Shang Tsung's island. The second game, the second tournament, was the tournament in Outworld. Right, so right. The, what they, they cleverly kind of combined the two where, like, yes, the tournament is on Shang Tsung's island, and then Johnny Cage makes that deal with Shang Tsung saying, I will challenge Goro right now. Right. And, we'll, 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 and then he said, well, if you do win, then I reserve the right to change the, the tournament to Outworld and pick who I want to fight. I liked how they did that because then that's yeah. when Johnny Cage and Liu Kang journeyed into Outworld. So I'm glad they kind of combined the first and second game into the movie like that. And then the ending, mm -hmm. excuse me, the ending was basically Mortal Kombat 3. Mortal Kombat 3 is where Shao Kahn was fed up of losing, breaks right. the rules, and just invades Earth. And that's what you saw at the end where Shao Kahn was pissed that he lost and he just decides to invade Earth. Right. Uh, was where the first movie ends and where the crappy second movie pretty much begins um, right but i liked how they cleverly kind of combined both the first two games and obviously you know katana as well who's in the second game not the first game right. how they kind of incorporate elements from both games into this movie it was yeah well interesting interesting too that they refer to him shao Kahn, as the emperor and not by his name by name throughout yeah. the whole movie and i was always wondering why that was do you know um yeah um here's what my guess was is maybe maybe the general audience may, could have gotten lost well who's Shao Kahn and blah 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 
So that that'd be my guess. But yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting. They they never. Yeah, you're right. I never knew why they just referred to him as the. Well, he is the emperor. Sure. Um. So and they, you know, and they, Christopher Lambert's character. He said on the boat that Outworld's ruled by an an immortal. He who found himself as emperor. Right. So. But they never refer to him by name. But they do show him, though. Right. So at the at the end, I mean, you do see like a glimpse of him, like in the uh, "It has begun," and then yeah, and then and, they and, reveal yeah. him at the end. Yeah, exactly. And and I think if if memory serves, and forgive me if I'm wrong because I only watched it once, they kind of did the same thing as far as not mentioning his name in uh, Scorpion's Revenge, like the animated film. Like they didn't actually like say his name. They just referred to him as the emperor. So yeah. I was just like, is there like some legal reason why they can't say that? Like, I, you know, I was just curious about it. If you, maybe you knew. No, I, I don't know why. Um, I mean, I guess they just, maybe it's just, they just want to leave these clues. Well, who is the emperor? Right, you know? right. Maybe. I, I think maybe for like the general audience who maybe never played the game or just doesn't know the story. I think maybe yeah. that's just like a, you know, just they just want to throw this little clue out. Well, who's the emperor? That, that's right. just my guy. So, yeah, and that makes sense too. Yeah, and then you know they and again, like you said, like at the very end, you know, Luke hang at the very end of the movie. Last thing Luke hangs up. Well, what's happening? And then Raiden just calmly looks over and says, "The emperor." Right. Right. So, and I like how that ended. I remember I got pumped. Like, oh my god, they're it's Shao Kahn. They're going to do a second movie. You right. know. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, so. Again, the first movie, I, I still love the first movie. I feel like it's the first video game movie that got it right for the most part, and it did right. change video game movies forever. Because I feel like all the game movies that came out after that still couldn't really get it right. Right. I mean, as, even as great as like as successful as like the Sonic movie was, or to Detective Pikachu, and even the Tomb Raider movies, but they weren't. Those are not true adaptations, though. They're basically like Sonic was just basically. Oh, let's bring Sonic from his world to our world, and right. you know, uh, I didn't see the Tomb Raider the reboot. I need to check that out. But like Detective Pikachu, that's not like, you know, that's just like an alternate universe where Pokemon are roaming around the Earth. Mortal right. Kombat was really the first movie that took place in the direct same translation. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah direct translation yeah. to film. So, and you're right, you're right, you're right. Because I I was thinking about that too, and I was like, well. You know, Resident Evil came out like shortly thereafter, like a few years after. But that story was nothing like the Resident Evil. Yeah, it's basically Resident Evil in the same universe as the as the game. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. That exactly. And I do love the Resident Evil movies. That's something I can't wait to. I'm hoping we can do some look backs at those or something at some point. I, I, I like those. It's the first one's the best one. First one is the best one. I agree. Especially Hands that down. soundtrack is sick. It's got Slipknot on it. You know, I Marilyn like Manson scored the movie. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? the whole movie that's good yeah Marilyn Manson scored the scored the first Resident Evil movie awesome yeah yeah so yeah Paul Anderson like I said he did a great job with this movie he did a great job with Resident Evil Event Horizon I need to go back and watch Event Horizon again because it's been so many years I've it's kind of like a cult movie now that it's kind of like one of those movies that people are just discovering and right I need to go back and see it and then again Alien versus Predator he swung and missed uh, he did a movie called Death Race with Jason Statham and Robert oh, wow. Shaw was in it. Right. That one's good. The first one. I, I'd never seen the other ones, but the first Death Race movie was pretty rad. Um, that was a Paul Anderson movie. So, um, right. yeah. But, yeah, I'm a fan of Paul Anderson. Again, uh, he, he changed the world forever with Mortal Kombat. Right on. So, post-Mortal Kombat, um, Annihilation. So, you told me a story because um, you're a little older. 
you told me the story about how you went and saw Superman 3 in the movie theater and how right. you, you were like 10 or 11 at the time and you right. were talking about how mad you were when you walked out of the theater. Yes. <laughs> it's like, this is not a Superman story at all. Yes. It was obviously a cash grab. And, uh, you know, for anybody who doesn't know like the history of like any of those early, like Richard, Zon Richard Donner, like Christopher Reeve Superman movies, um, after the first two movies, the franchise was bought by Canon Films. Mm -hmm. And um, Canon was the same company that did like Revenge of the Ninja, Enter the Ninja. They were known for doing these yeah. very cheap, very low budget movies. And they took the same approach with Superman. And they basically took the character and just wrote their own little uh, mythos around it that had nothing to do with Superman from the DC universe. And I remember as a kid, like walking out of that, just furious, like, what did they just do? <laughs> <laughs> so in case anyone's asking, well, Jason, where are you going with this? Yeah. <laughs> I was about the same age as Mark when I saw Mortal Kombat Annihilation in the theater opening weekend. I remember my mom dropped me off to go see, the, to let me go see this movie. And I feel like that was the first time in my life where I walked out of the movies mad. Even as, keep in mind, I'm, I'm right. 11. Right. I don't have the, the, the perception or the smarts that, that I do as an adult and can, you know, watch the movie with critical thinking and, and, and understand film. I'm just a kid just wanting right. to see my a sequel to Mortal Kombat. I walked out of there so mad. The movie right. was so bad that my 11-year-old self was, was, was furious. Furious. <laughs> Then yeah. that they ruined Mortal Kombat, they they ruined a lot of the characters. They recasted a lot of the characters. Um, I was so mad. I was I, was, I had a knot in my stomach. I was so mad at how that movie turned out. Man. Oh. And yeah, and I never got a chance to to actually watch it. I was I was planning to watch it when it when it first came out, but so many people saw it ahead of me, and they were like, "Don't." Like, you'll be pissed off if you watch it. So I just skipped it, and then to this day, I yep. still haven't seen it. But one thing, good thing that came out of the movie is a damn shame it would never became a hit. Uh, there is a TV show that came out on UPN. Around, you know, this is this is off the heels of you know Hercules' legendary journeys and Xena War was was hot at the time. And these these shows that take place in like you know in early times with Greek mythology and stuff like that, like these these shows that take place years in the past. Um, Mortal Kombat Conquest right. was was takes place 500 years before the first movie and it tells the story of the original kung lao wow and i loved this show i loved it as a kid i still love it now it is it is bad i acknowledge the acting is bad the special effects are subpar but the fights are great there are some great fights in here um uh, but the the storytelling is great if you're a fan of the lore of mortal kombat there are some great episodes they it only ran for one season it ran for one season for like 20 episodes. Uh, it says it takes place five years, 100 years in the past. Right. It's, 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 it's Liu Kang's um, ancestor there, um, the, the Kung great Lao. Kung Lao. And he just won the tournament against Shang Tsung. It's a younger Shang Tsung portrayed by Bruce Locke, who was a great... He's no Kerry Tagawa, but he does a great job on Shang Tsung. Right. Um, and then, you know, there are other characters. Uh, Katana is in, is, is in the series. The uh, you see uh, one of Sub Zero's ancestors. Wow. Uh, you see one of Scorpion. Uh, Scorpion in the movie. I don't like the portrayal of Scorpion. Um, but then there's also the the Black Dragon. I mean, there's no Kano, obviously, but the, there's a, there's an episode about the Black Dragon. 
Right. Um, they even bring in characters like Rico from Mortal Kombat 4 because he, at the time, he was one of Shao Kahn's generals. And there's also, um, oh, what else? Uh, you see Rain. Uh, that there's mm -hmm. and Noom Sabot. Like there are so many characters wow. that that are brought to life in this in this series that ran for uh, uh, one season. Fun fact: the the female lead in the show is no other than uh, Christiana Loken. For those who don't know, she was the, the villain in Terminator 3. Really? Okay. Yep. So she's like yeah. 18, 19 years old at the time of this, oh, wow. uh, uh, um, when this when this came out. And she mm -hmm. plays a thief named uh, Tarja, uh, who makes uh, forms an alliance with uh, Kung Lao. So oh, there wow. are some great things. And then some funny thing is about this show, uh, Eva Mendez makes an appearance on the show. This is before she was famous. Really? <laughs> and there are wrestlers. There are WWE wrestlers are in right. that play like these bad guys. Like, it's fascinating. Like, if, maybe if you don't like it, it's a fascinating watch because there are so, um, there are so many big names that are in the show that before they got famous. And again, oh, and Quan Chi. That's another thing too is you see Quan Chi in this in this series, and um, Quan Chi plays a prominent role in in the series, and he's awesome. One of the best parts of the series. Nice. And uh, and I will say this, and I stand to this. This is the best version of Shao Kahn. Uh, Shao Kahn is in this in this series, and Shao Kahn is awesome in this series. Because uh, I didn't like how he's portrayed in, in the second movie, and I don't like how he's portrayed in the series, the, the, the web series that came out. Right. This is the best on-screen version of Shao Kahn you will get. If you're a fan, like I said, if you're a fan of the lore, and you, if you're just curious, this is $20 on Amazon, all the episodes on DVD just right. get it it's worth a watch as bad as it is you can laugh at it but you can there, but there are some elements that you can really enjoy and as a kid i loved this show uh fair warning uh it's got <laughs> how do i put this <laughs> lightly without sounding like a the women in this this show were wearing very revealing outfits and since i was like 10 or 11 at the time this came out maybe or 12 maybe that was like softcore, softcore porn to me, and I kept thinking to myself, "Oh my god, if my mom walks in right now and sees me watching this, she's gonna turn the TV off and scream at me." And this was, <laughs> and this was network TV that it came on. Yes. Like, like, yeah, the, this is on. Uh, it was on UPN. Like it was on. Like uh, like it was on really? like Thursday nights and Saturday mornings. Like. Wow. And I'm like, I'm like watching this. I'm thinking to myself, like I was like, "Oh my god, if my mom walks in right now, she's gonna turn it off." And my mom, you know, she, "Oh, Jason, what are you watching? Oh, I'm watching Mortal Kombat. It's a Mortal Kombat TV show. Oh, that's fine, dear." But my God, if my mom walked in, right? Oh so yeah. So when you watch this, you know, I think some. Um, I'm not trying to put any feminists down, but like, some the way the women are portrayed in this show uh, may yeah, piss wouldn't off be a lot okay of today. Yeah. Yeah, would not be okay today. And again, it takes place in the past, so you know, women at the time were treated differently. So, right. so just a fair warning when you're watching this and, and you're seeing the way the women are portrayed in the revealing outfits. Just, 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 just brace yourself and right. like. Just want to throw that warning out there it's a product of its time and it's you know again things this is this is well over 20 years ago now right um, things were different at the time but I, I i say it's definitely worth the watch for those fans who never heard of it or just curious it's it's a recommend re recommendation from your boy jay right right where can people see that if they wanted to like stream it do you know i don't think it's on out there you'd have um, to yeah, i think youtube i think i think youtube i think some people have it on youtube i think okay. there are some youtube um rips up there on youtube 
But you can just buy it on Amazon. It's, it's Prime eligible. You can buy it on Amazon Prime for for twenty bucks. Oh wow. Okay. So, but if you if you don't want to waste your twenty bucks, <laughs> then you could probably find these episodes on YouTube. I just on don't YouTube. know if they're in proper order or if right. they're all on there. You'd have to do tough. some some detective work on your own. Yeah. Kind of get it together. And then be, and before we go, we end the segment here. Um, I do I do feel like we have to mention the Mortal Kombat Legacy. Okay. Um, Mark, I definitely recommend you watching it. I I, I liked Legacy. Okay. Uh, the first season. Uh, it, it's into ten different episodes. They have origin stories for different characters. It starts off with it starts off with Jack, Sonya, and uh, Kano. Right. And then it shimmies over to Johnny Cage. Then it shimmies over to Raiden, which I think might be the best one. And then it shimmies over to uh, Molina and Katana and Shao Kahn, which I didn't mm-hmm. like. Again, I didn't like how they portrayed Shao Kahn. Right. And then it ends on a high note. It does the origin stories of the robot cybernetic ninja, Cyrex and Sector. Nice. That one might be the best one. And that one, how, how as a kid, when you play Mortal Kombat 3 and they talk and explain how the, the Lin Kuei made these ninjas, these cybernetic, these, these, these robotic ninjas, that's how I pictured it. Right. And I think people should definitely watch it. It's, again, I believe it's available on YouTube. You can buy the Blu-ray. It's affordable. But yeah. Uh, Mark, I definitely recommend you watching it. I think I'd like to hear your your thoughts on it when you get to it. Uh, again, the second season not so good, but the first season again alternate take on the story. It's a more of a realistic, grounded take on it, uh, mm-hmm. but it's it's dynamite. Now is that the season? Now is that the uh, series with Michael Jai White? Yes. Okay. Michael Jai right. White plays Jax because he was he was supposed to play Jax in Mortal Kombat Annihilation, but turned it right. down for Spawn. Um, and then Jerry Ryan, uh, Governor Ryan's wife, and she's also seven of nine in Star Trek. Right. Uh, she plays Sonya, great, a great Sonya. And then that'd be a good pick, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then one of the guys, I forgot, the guy who plays Kano was in Three Hundred. Not Gerald Butler, obviously. One of the guys from Three Hundred plays mm-hmm. Kano. Um, Matt Mullins plays uh, Johnny Cage. Phenomenal job, probably one of the right. best, better portrayals. And then the Raiden episode's really good. It's, it's. Some people say it's like a ripoff of Thor. Basically, Raiden falls into false earth but he doesn't have his powers and he falls into like a mental institution right and he's trying to get to you know to organize his warriors for mortal Kombat. but the right. but the mental institution are laughing at him saying oh so you're the god raiden well, what what are you doing yeah. yeah very very awesome take on it and then the scorpion sub-zero dynamite although it's a huge retcon it takes place in feudal japan mm-hmm. when Sub Zero is supposed to be Chinese, but they they sure. retconned it and made him Japanese. Right. But it's still a cool watch. And then of course the cybernetic ninjas, right. great, 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 great. It's just it's a damn shame that they didn't get the second season right. It's a damn shame that we didn't get the movie that we were promised that we were going to get. For. Yeah. And now we're getting an entirely different movie, as far as we know, in January. Yeah, and that's the one that I'm waiting for. You know, yep. like I'm I'm excited to. Uh, to see Lewis Tan in this. I'm a big fan of his uh, from, uh, oh, now I can't even think of the name of the show. Um, oh man, it was just like on the tip of my tongue. Uh, Into the Badlands. Have, oh, if you've okay. ever watched that. Yeah, he's, yeah I know he, I know all that, never watched it. It was on AMC, right? Yeah, it was on AMC and it was all about these land barons in the future where it's like a, it's a dystopian future and it's run by they're basically cogs, which are basically um, slaves, like serfs almost. Yeah. And uh, and there are these barons, and then the barons have bodyguards that are called clippers that will go and they'll either execute someone on their behalf or they'll stay and defend the baron. 
And so he plays uh, one of the Clippers in in uh, in the show, and he's phenomenal. His martial arts skills are like off the is, charts. Now, is that show available on Netflix or anything like that? I believe it's on Netflix now because yeah, they okay, recently I, canceled the show. So good because I want to watch just just to prep. I want to see this guy because again, not confirmed. The rumor is he's Johnny Cage, as far as I know. I don't know right. they, they haven't officially announced who he's playing, but he they're saying he's going to play the main character in mm-hmm. the in the in the movie. So yeah, and that but, would make sense. I could I yeah. could see him as a Johnny Cage for sure. And even Master Persina has expressed his excitement for this this new Mortal Kombat movie coming out. So yeah, yeah, and that we're was all excited. You know, yeah, and that you know now you know that since you mentioned it, um, I think that. What we'll do is we'll post the audio only version of that live stream on Podbean, Stitcher, um, Spotify, for anybody that wants to listen to it. It really was a, a, a captivating uh, interview that we did with him. He, he laid out the entire history as far as how they formed the game, how they developed the camera, uh, the, the characters how they developed the fatalities. I mean, it, it was a really great hour that we spent with them. And so, yeah, we'll make that available audio only for anybody who wants to listen to it. Absolutely, and it was, it was such a, he was such a great guest and I was smiling ear to ear and I felt like his positivity really like, it rubs off of him. Like I, I felt his positivity and just talking to him. I felt great after I was, we were done with that pot, that, uh, with that stream yeah. and everyone, I, and comments from everybody everyone's messaging me like Jason that was so great and and the and the viewer counts growing and growing like people really love it and then we had so many people drop in and drop their questions and it, it was great I'm so happy with that turnout and thanks to everybody and thank thank you especially thank you to Master Priscina and thank you Mark for you know helping me you know you know run getting this together and running everything it was just great turnout I really want I really hope everyone finds this time to check it out and we and we'll and for those who don't want to sit through the you know an hour and a half we'll, we'll post the highlights too. We'll do some yeah, we'll do some clips like some of the some of the finer points of the of the of the episode. Yeah, so yeah, that, that's all I got. I mean, Mortal Kombat is it's ready available on Netflix. You can buy it on Blu-ray. Um again, just if if you haven't seen it or if you haven't seen it in a while, just go into it knowing that this is 1995. But I feel like everyone, whether if you're a fan of the franchise or not, I feel like everyone can get some kind of enjoyment out of this film. Yeah, and to echo what you just said, I mean, this was, uh, you know, this was at the height of 90s action. And so if you're familiar with that type of action, sort of Jean-Claude Van Damme, uh, Steven Seagal, like like it was that type of martial arts film and it was the very beginning of CGI and, and that t- those types of effects. Yeah. So that said, I mean, I think that they did a phenomenal job with, with the technology that they had available. Yes. So uh, I guess we'll wrap this up and we're going we're gonna to be uh, doing a post uh, DC fandom reaction to follow this uh, episode. So we hope everyone to check that out. So before we go, we uh, pretty please ask you to like, comment, subscribe, ring that bell and spread this shit like syphilis. So do you, I say from Louisville to Syracuse, to all of our friends and fans of the world at Nerd Cage Live. Enjoy life, stay safe, and good night. Sayonara. Ooh, trying to get out of the Nerd Cage, are ya? Well, before you go, hit that subscribe button. And if you're really intrigued, ring that bell. 
thank you for dropping by. Until next time, tell everyone you know about Nerd Cage Live! <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs>